is fighting for your right to dream, your right to breathe. He's fighting to free Wisconsin. Everyone, Jonathan Wickman here. It is an honor to be interviewing Senator Ron Johnson today. Senator, thank you so much for spending time with me. Pleasure's all mine. Um, to warm up though, to get, you know, us two serious guys usually, what do you like to do for hobbies? Like when you're not working so hard, what do you do for fun? I, mean, I do like to golf. Ah. Uh, play guitar, but have, really? don't have the, the calluses anymore. I know, I can't play very well either. I just strum. So, so golf and, over bowling? And, and fishing. And fishing? Okay. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, well, again, thank you for spending time here. I have some questions here because I want to be on track here. But um, in your opinion, what is the number one or top three issues that are contributing to the rapid fall of America? Radical leftism. Okay. That's, I mean, that's it. Absolutely. Uh, but as Admiral Mike Mullen said, the greatest threat to our national security is our debt and deficit. And what's driving the debt and deficit is the left. Right. So we're in Milwaukee, just for the audience, if they didn't know, at uh, the Joseph Project. Can you tell us a little bit more about what the Joseph Project is? Well, the Joseph Project, that was uh, really the result of, uh, as I first became U.S. Senator, and I traveling around the state, you saw all this opportunity, all, all these job opportunities around the state, and yet you had these pockets of high unemployment in places like Milwaukee, uh, Madison, and so I kept asking my staff, I mean, how, how do we, how can we make that connection uh, between people who truly want to take advantage of opportunity and all the opportunities are out there? And, uh, you know, we hired Orlando Owens as a staff member. He's part of the, the Church of God in Christ. Uh, he, he knew Pastor Jerome Smith. Uh, he was up in Sheboygan. And their economic development committee was talking about they had like three or four thousand jobs that were open, and there was the connection made. And so then, working with Pastor Smith, uh, we developed this uh, four-day—it's actually five days, but four days of uh, three hours of, of training. Uh, working with people who were formerly incarcerated, people that you know, drug, alcohol—you know, right. folks had those types of uh, problems, but wanted to put that in their past and move forward. And so uh, we just instill in them the importance of having a good attitude, uh, committing yourself to success. We teach them how to try and put their past behind them, you know, embrace that, that you know, change the attitude, uh, bring in people from the outside to teach them how to interview. And then we set up interviews on Friday and they're pretty high success rate of people getting jobs. And, and again, pretty good success rate of people having long-term jobs. These are career type of life-changing, life-transforming types of uh, positions. Right. Well, what I love about it is that, you know, Republicans, in my opinion, we like to bring the solutions. And Democrats tend to just talk in theory or they pitch this idea that, you know, everything is free, right? And so what you're doing here is really making an impact in our community, and that's what we need here in Milwaukee. Uh, oh, wait, you by the way, there's, there's no government funding. Right. And that's uh, Other than, you know, my, my state staff obviously is involved in this, but it's, it's all private donations, donations in terms of vans, that type of thing. Uh, and, and it works as a result. Absolutely. Well, thank you for caring about our, our city. I appreciate it. Um, so you said the top three issues, you said the budget. Um, you know, obviously I ran for governor of Wisconsin in 2020 and some of the key things that brought me into this race were the illegal lockdowns, the forced masking, the forced jab. But out of that, we saw about $4 trillion of new currency come into existence. How do you feel that's going to impact us long-term? And can we turn the ship around? Is the culture inside of you know DC, are they up to the challenge or what are you seeing in there? Well, we've already seen it impact us. Right. A dollar that Americans held at the start of the Biden administration is only worth 87 cents. Mm -hmm. 
that, that's the impact of inflation. And you know, we had uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen before the Finance Committee, and, and I was asking her. I saw that. Um, so, you know, <laughs> from my standpoint, the, the three main drivers of current inflation is massive deficit spending, the, the trillions of dollars, and it's actually I think more than four. Mm. Um, th then, of course, the war on fossil fuel, which is purposely driving up the price of gasoline to force everybody into electric vehicles where we don't have the rare earth minerals to produce them all. Right. Uh, don't even have the reliable electrical capacity to provide the electricity for all these electric vehicles that are contemplated. But again, that their war on fossil fuel drove up gasoline, but also energy prices. And then of course the, you know, the insane lockdowns, yes. shutdowns that didn't work. Right. Okay. Um, had an enormous human toll because of the economic devastation. Uh, the supply dislocations there. Now, Secretary Yellen's response to me was, she said, well, Senator, I don't, I don't agree that the massive debt suspending was a major driver of inflation. <laughs> you know, if, if you're not even willing to admit that reality, right. um, I mean, it's first step in solving problems, they mean you have one, right? Right. They're not willing to admit that their massive debt suspending, which they just keep engaging in, is driving the you know, the value of the dollar down, mm -hmm. driving the prices up that uh, Americans uh, pay for things as well as destroying their savings. Well, she didn't seem to know any of the uh, the answers to any of the questions you were asking her. Why, why is well, this? Well, she may know them. She just is not willing to answer honestly. Hmm. And I think that's a hallmark of the left is that they, they deny reality. Right. Uh, they're not willing to be honest. They, you know, they're, they're really a wolf in sheep's clothing. What I appreciate about you, Ron, is that you know, you're open to answering questions and the transparency. I think young people, especially my generation, we want that, we demand it now, right? Because we see how, just how bad our country, you know, how, bad, how bad things are going from the border to inflation. And so we need more elected officials like you. Why do you think so many, I mean, are, are people, are they, do they just not know or are they beholden to other you know, special interest groups? Why won't they be as transparent and open as you are so the, when they work for us, right? So, so the master stroke of the left, and I'm old enough to see this, during the Vietnam War protests, uh, college administrations capitulated, and the radical left took over our university system. Mm -hmm. So now they control uh, colleges of education, so now we're teaching teachers to indoctrinate our children, whether it's critical race theory, all this transgenderism. Uh, colleges of journalism. We don't have journalists anymore. No. We, we have advocates for the left. Right. Uh, colleges of, of law. So now we're cranking out lawyers to become judges, but it really aren't judges, they're super legislators. I mean, that's what we, you know, that's the issue on the board. Mm -hmm. Democrats truly do not, the leaders don't really respect democracy. They're always complaining about the danger of democracy, but right. they respect power. And they, they realize that a lot of their wacky ideas will never get support of the public, so they can't pass these things through Congress or through state legislatures, so they rely on the courts to impose their leftist ideology on the rest of America. Mm -hmm. So getting back to, you know, what, what, why aren't more people aware? It's, well, when you have journalists that are advocates, you, the media is complicit and corrupt. They're leftists. Uh, you've got teachers that, again, are indoctrinating our youth not not to love this country, not not to understand what made it great, right. but again, all all of these leftist ideologies, which you know, conservatives we view this stuff as crazy, mm -hmm. absolutely. But they're they're normalizing all of this. 
So, so do, do you think the indoctrination is too too far set in stone? Like, how do we reach the young people? How do we, that's, as, the, as the new chair of Southwest Suburban Republican branch, that's one of my goals. How do we get young people interested in politics because this is impacting their life and it will impact. What, is, what are your thoughts on that? The only way is with the truth. Sure. Now, I ran in 2010 because I was seeing our freedoms erode. You know, as government grows, your freedom recedes. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what our founders knew. That's why they wanted to limit the federal government. Well, the federal government is busted out of the restraints of the Constitution in many respects. Mm -hmm. And so our freedom has been receding. So, so I ran on a platform of freedom. It's still my primary platform. But what's even more fundamental than freedom is truth. And we have certainly witnessed that during the pandemic where, where truth was uh, altered. Um, you, you had government agencies working with the big tech social media giants who, who supported the lockdowns because it put trillions of dollars in their pocket. Right. Uh, we've seen government officials now through the Twitter files who are actively engaged in promoting misinformation, making sure the truth was not getting out because if the truth got out, Americans wouldn't behave the way they wanted them to behave. So the real purveyors of misinformation during the pandemic weren't people like me that were accused of spreading misinformation. Nothing I ever said has ever been proven false. Right. It's literally the government officials and the big tech social media giants and mainstream media, they were the purveyors and spreaders of misinformation. Hmm. So going back to COVID and the illegal lockdowns, I think a lot of the American people, especially on one side, they want some real accountability. Are we going to see anything happen in that area like Anthony Fauci and all these other people that lied, you know, to under oath and, and lied to the people of America? Will anyone be held accountable? Well, listen, I, I got a six year term here, right? right. And, uh, you know, I've, I've told audiences and, uh, that my pledge to Wisconsinites is that I will spend that six years tenaciously pursuing, uncovering, exposing the truth. That's what I intend to do. Now, uh, you have to understand what we're up against. You know, I, I talked about the COVID cartel, the Biden administration, the federal health agencies, big pharma who have captured the federal health agencies, right. the mainstream media and big tech social media giants who have also been captured by big pharma. Okay, so that's the COVID cartel. These are the people that pushed the, sh the, the shutdowns. These are the people that sabotaged early treatment mm -hmm. with widely available, cheap, safe, generic drugs. Doctors couldn't even use some of these drugs that were on-label, right. much less they were denied their off-label use of things like hydroxychloroquine, hyd hyd uh, ivermectin. ivermectin, you know, bunesonide. I mean, there are a host of drugs, anticoagulants, you know, things that actually treated the illness that they weren't allowed to to use. Mm. So to me, the body count now is way too high. The, the, the COVID cartel can never admit they were wrong. Right. Uh, but they have the power to make it very difficult to prove them wrong. Mm. And that's what we're seeing. I mean, you, you, you and I, we, we've been reading this. We, we see you know, how, how awful Anthony Fauci, Fauci was, not only during COVID, but also during AIDS, where right. he denied Bactrim. He, he, AIDS advocates were begging him, just say a good word about Bactrim. It's saving people's lives, you know, AIDS patients. Hmm. He wanted vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. So for a couple of years, he just simply wouldn't uh, say a few good words about Bactrim. So people died. Hmm. And the same thing happened here with COVID. So even though you see, we know what Fauci did. We know right. what he was trying to do in terms of covering up his funding of this very dangerous research. We still have all this praise of Anthony Fauci, whether it's on NPR, there's all these glowing uh, documentaries on you know, what, a, what a hero Anthony Fauci is. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a villain from Absolutely. my standpoint. No, I agree with you on that. Thank you for saying that. Um, 
So going back to uh, the, the budget issues, we have this inflation, we have a deficit, last time I checked, close to about 1.5 trillion. Am I right on that, national yep. deficit? Okay. Um, do you really think it's realistic that even the federal government, like I said, they all came together and we cut spending in a very meaningful way. Could we turn this around? Can we start paying down that debt? Or is it, are we too far gone in that well, area? So, so let me just give you some numbers, all right. okay? Because it's actually more than 1.5. Over the next 10 years, sure. it'll never drop below 1.5. Sure. But in 2019, the year before the pandemic recession, the federal government spent about 4.4, 4.5 trillion dollars, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, then, of course, we had the pandemic, the recession, you know, the, went on this enormous spending spring. And now I, I voted for the CARES Act. I held my nose. Sure. When we first started talking about that, it was about $750 billion, which I thought would be enough. We had mm -hmm. to do something fast. We had to do something massive to, to show the markets we're not going to let the contagion, we're not going to let the markets collapse. Uh, even though I was pushing back and you know writing op-eds, we shouldn't be shutting the economy down. It was shutting down. Right. So we had to do something, but literally within about a week or two, that $750 billion went to $2.2 trillion, mm. which was way too much. Then we load, loaded on top of that other trillion-dollar COVID relief packages. So we spent well in excess of $6 trillion every year during the pandemic. Well, now the pandemic is over. Right. Okay. We're still spending over $6 trillion, and, and Biden is budgeting six point nine. Yeah. Uh, last year we raised four point nine trillion dollars. Had we taken the two thousand nineteen baseline and just grown that government spending, that's total government spending, by inflation population growth, last year we would have spent about five point one trillion. We we would have been within a couple hundred billion dollars. We're still a lot of money. Right. But we would have been within a couple hundred billion dollars of a balanced budget. Instead we're talking about way over one point $5 trillion dollars so balancing the budget is one thing but can we ever can we ever draw down on the debt can we bring it down because we you know we can't run our finances yeah. like this oh, personally I, you know that well so what we can do is bring it down debt as a percentage of GDP okay and that's again I sure. mean as a that's probably about as much as we can hope for okay. in, in the foreseeable future okay and the only way you achieve that is through economic growth and yeah. of course that's the problem with leftist policies right. they, they everything they want to do is going to be harmful to growth they want to tax success right you know they, they, they don't like people being successful no. okay they, they just like government to grow so they, they want to tax all the fruits of everybody's labor mm -hmm. uh, they, they want to increase regulation that I mean, they're, they're the smart guys they're, they're you know the greater angels are going to tell you how to live your life you're just not smart enough to do these things without their guidance exactly. so everything they do crushes freedom crushes innovation and it's going to harm economic growth which is the number one source of the solution, which is why I continue to remind people that Venezuela was an oil-rich nation, mm -hmm. highly successful South American nation, until Venezuelans voted themselves into poverty. Mm. Kind of the, the, the one man, one vote, one time right. concept where they voted for Hugo Chavez and goodbye democracy in Venezuela, goodbye strong economy, goodbye freedom. And now you have a basket case in Venezuela like you have in, in Cuba. And that's kind of what we're experiencing here, right? We're in that stage. We're, 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 we're heading down that path right now. I mean, we, we keep electing Democrat presidents, uh, you know, radical leftists like Biden, you know, the, the moderate. Right. Uh, campaigned from his basement, uh, <laughs> yeah. lied through his teeth repeatedly from the moment he entered politics. But again, the, the, the media covers for him. They're, they're, all, they're all part and parcel. I mean, the mainstream media today is nothing more than the comms department for the Democrat Party. Mm. 
One question I got asked on the campaign trail a lot, especially when we were going in excessive lockdowns, I was just like, everyone thinks, well, the president is in charge, right? And Donald Trump, how come How come Fauci had such free reign to make up whatever decisions he wanted? How come it seemed like the power shifted over to these bureaucrats rather than the elected well, officials? Well, again, the, the, the media loved the guy, okay? They loved the lockdowns. So, that they, you know, they, they loved what he was prescribing mm. because it was so very advantageous to them. Mm. Now, Trump, uh, to his credit, left shutdowns to the states. Mm. So, I mean, if you had a governor that uh, wanted to shut the state yeah. down, I guess... Tony Evers. You know, well, <laughs> the good news there is we had a conservative Supreme Court and we had a Republican legislator that resisted that. And so Wisconsin opened up pretty early. Yeah. yeah we were back to pretty much leading our, our A lot of nudging from yours truly, Ron. Well, <laughs> I... Yep. Um, so my question is, you know, I, I watch a lot of these hearings and stuff, but it seems like besides yourself and maybe a few other senators and a few congressmen, how come no one in Congress or, or you know, in the Senate really understand, I guess, our finances, fiscal responsibility? You said like, you know, not that people even knew the budget. I mean, you were really shocked by that and you've been in this a long time. Why is that? Yeah, I mean, just quick story. So when we were, when they were passing the omnibus at the end of the year, uh, I started asking, first of all, my colleagues, and, and then the press said, do you know how much we spent last year? And they're always thinking, because we're only debating about 30% of the budget, the discretionary. So every now and then people say, well, it's over a trillion dollars or whatever. So no, I mean total. I mean total government spending. You know what we spent? Like nobody knew. No one knew. And then I would grant them immediate absolutions. I mean, don't feel bad because we never talk about it. Hmm. I mean, think about that. We, we, the United States government is the largest financial entity in the world. Yeah. We have the world reserve and currency right now. nobody, including reporters yeah. who are supposed to be reporting on this, mm -hmm even knew what the total spending was. So then I tell them it was $6.2 trillion. Yeah. And of course they were shocked. Um, you know, part of the problem, again, they're, they're, they're reporters, they're leftists, they, they, don't, they want to grow government, they don't care what it costs. Yeah. Uh, too many of my colleagues uh, are lawyers. Mm -hmm. My experience with lawyers, they're not real good with numbers in general. They like words, not real fond of numbers. But an even bigger problem is there's so very few uh, bureaucrats serving the administration, staff members of, of members of Congress or, or members of Congress that have any experience in, which means very little knowledge of, and maybe worse, very little sympathy for the private sector. They just, they just don't understand. I mean, it's not that there's not smart people or hardworking, but you know, they're the ones writing the rules, writing the laws, governing how the private sector operates. Mm. And they just don't have a clue. And maybe even worse, they've never even been part of a functioning organization. Right. You know, I mean, where you you know you have a mission, a vision statement, you got goals, annual goals, and you, know, you kind of understand all the component uh, individuals, you know, what their roles is in that organization. Yeah, they're used to Congress. They're 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 look, used to this profoundly dysfunctional federal government that we have. Well, one thing nice with you is you come from a private business background, so you understand how the free markets work, right? And I'm an accountant. And you're an accountant. I'm, I'm, good, I'm good with numbers. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, you know, I know we got to wrap up here soon, but I would say again from being out on the campaign trail though most rational people are very they're sick and tired of the polarization in this country and want real solutions to start winning again do you think it's possible to unify this country and really get moving forward you know and become i guess the, the power player that we always were or are yeah. we gonna be stuck for some time I, I, I think it's entirely possible if you have more people like myself that concentrate on areas of agreement mm -hmm. i literally was walking back from a vote uh, just last week and i had a gentleman come up to me uh, between the Capitol and Hart building, he said, hey, are you Senator? I said, yes. <laughs> and he goes, what's your name? I said, Ron Johnson. He goes, I love you and I'm a Democrat. 
And it's, it's just you're, you're honest. Right. You, you you just tell the truth, and you don't do it with anger. Right. You just lay out the facts. Right. We need more of that. And then we, we had about a ten minute conversation. You know, I, I pointed out to him. You know, when it comes to the whole COVID situation, I'm, I'm an ally about Bobby Kennedy's. Mm. You know, yeah. because we agree on that. So if you focus on areas of agreement, and listen, I, I think. I think most Americans love this country. Mm-hmm. I, I think most Americans want to see their fellow citizens succeed. Uh, they, they want a prosperous nation. They want opportunity. Those are all areas of agreement. Now, you know, how, you, how you produce a nation or a national economy that produces the economy and prosperity, I mean, I re- realize there'll be disagreements on that, but can we at least acknowledge the fact that we are a compassionate nation, that, that we are a, a good people? Mm-hmm. We, we want the best for our fellow citizens not only nationally but globally let's let's start there that's it's a pretty good place to start right absolutely that we share that same goal and if you acknowledge that fact if you're not if you're not questioning the other side's motives and question their prescription but you know stop questioning people's motives and, and just tenaciously pursue areas of agreement i mean I guess that's my private sector background. You, you don't get very far in business if you're arguing all the time. Right. Just sure. say, okay, let's. What do we agree on? Okay, you got a product. I want to buy it. Now we'll argue over price. Absolutely. Okay. The arguing comes <laughs> in the last stage. So bringing all things back to Wisconsin, how do we? How do we? You know, we had sadly we didn't win our governorship there. You know, last election. So looking forward, how do we bring Wisconsin to become a leader in the nation? What are some things that we need to do as a state um, to start turning you know cities around like Milwaukee mm-hmm. and others? I mean, we have a big big task underhand. Well, in the political realm, one disadvantage conservatives have versus liberals is conservatives just don't want anything to do with the government. Mm. So just just stay off my back, where liberals right. love government. Right. So that's a huge disadvantage in the political realm. So we need to overcome that by, if conservatives want freedom, if, if they want a successful and prosperous economy, they're going to have to get involved, at least by voting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm not a big fan of political consultants. Um, I'm, I'm certainly not a big fan of the massive amounts of money we have to spend in these campaigns just to stay competitive. What I have really focused is on the grassroots, and that's where our power lies. Again, we're not going to get help from our education system, not for decades. I mean, it's going to take us a while to you know, just bring some balance into our education system. Uh, we're not going to get help from a complicit and corrupt media, so it's going to be up to we the people. Right. And so we have to take matters in their own hands. So let's start locally, right. which is why I've encouraged the trickle-up elections. Uh, supporting local candidates for school boards, for city council, for county board. Uh, it's one of the things the left has been able to do in these in these spring elections, is because it's lower turnout. I mean, they've got the, you know they have the teachers union. Okay, that would drive turnout. Uh, but people just don't even realize some of these elections are occurring. So uh, if we get conservatives running for school board, first of all, we can take our school system back. Mm-hmm. If you're concerned about CRT, if you're concerned about uh, the education system pushing transgenderism, trying to teach your little boy that well, you're probably a little girl and, right. and vice versa. Terrible. Um, you can take control of that by running for the school board and taking control of it. Because mm-hmm. we've got some pretty conservative municipalities in this country, in this state that are run by some pretty radical left right. school board members. End that. Do that now. But it's going to require citizens to step up the plate and be willing to do it. And then have other conservatives support those candidates. Mm-hmm. You, know, you you may not run, want to run for office yourself, but boy, you better support the people who are willing to put themselves out there and take all the guff and all the criticisms from the media and 
Uh, to, to that, no, that's interesting you say that though, because here, you know, conservatives, we're working class, we have businesses. Why does it seem like we're always so underfunded when it comes to our campaigns? Why does it seem the left can just pour millions of dollars in any race they want? Why is this happening? So we're, we're looking into right now what uh, uh, James O'Keefe uncovered and does some of the work uh, here in Wisconsin too of, of these individuals who have given literally thousands, if not tens of thousands of donations that they were completely unaware of. We need to look in that. We've already contacted the FEC. I, I've always been suspicious of this. How, yeah. how can the party that supposedly represents the, the poor and downtrodden, how can they be raising right. multiples, no I mean sense. two, three, four times more than we do in low dollar donors? Yeah. That makes no sense None. whatsoever. Yeah. Okay, what, what's happening there? Well, we may have a, an inkling of what may be happening there where somebody's doing something wrong. Listen, mm. you know, <laughs> and, and James O'Keefe went up to people, he knocked on the door and said, hey, are you aware that you gave made 10,000 donations to Act Blue, So we have to dig into that. I've, I've always been suspicious of that. Maybe we'll uncover some things. Awesome. Well, the takeaway from this interview is that we need everyone to get involved on the local level all the way up. So Senator Ron Johnson, I'll give you the last word. Anything you want to say to my audience? Again, thank you so much for spending time with us. Uh, we really appreciate all the work that you do. Well, I think my main point always has been you know, this nation is something rare and precious. And the essential, essential ingredient literally is freedom. Uh, but the only way we're going to be able to maintain that freedom is to be able to uncover and expose and discern the truth. And so that, that's what I'm dedicated to doing over the next six years. And I'm, I'm just urging all of you to also be discerning, uncover the truth, and fight for freedom.